0: POV with Christy and Kathy, where we talk about writing, reading, and life in between. I'm Christy in South
1: Florida, and I'm Kathy in South Dakota. We're two newbie writers who share our love of food, wine, and crime fiction. We have interviews with best-selling and award-winning authors on our Corks and Conversation episodes.
0: And this season, we are adding to the fun with POV episodes, where we explore topics in quick, informative episodes. Join us for today's episode.
1: So we are so happy to be here with Erin Flanagan, author of our GOB Rex October Book of the Month. Come with me.
0: And a lot of you listeners have read her book already along with us this month. And we have received some really great questions from you for Erin. So here we are ready to ask her your questions. Of course, Christy and I have a few questions of our own. Oh, yes, yes, don't discount <laughs> so, our questions. Yeah, we, we have our own, but, but we got so many great questions that we're so excited to ask those.
1: Before we get started, and we need to tell everybody a little bit about Erin. So Erin Flanagan is the author of two story collections and three novels, including Dear Season, winner of the 2022 Edgar for the Best First Novel, and the recent Come With Me, which we're featuring. She's an English professor at Wright State University and a regular book reviewer for Publishers Weekly. Interesting. For more information about her and her writing, please visit www.erinflanagan.com. That's one N and one G and all A's, right, um, <laughs> <dot> net. <laughs> or say hello on Twitter and Instagram at Erin Flanagan and we'll of course have the links
0: on our website for you. Thank you so much for having me, you guys. Oh, I'm so thrilled to be here. Well, we are thrilled to welcome you and this is a great way for us to kick off our season 6. So Uh, wonderful. Christy, you want to talk about the wine that you suggested for today?
1: It's a Cabernet Sauvignon, 19 crimes, but I just loved it, the Frankenstein cover, because it has a Frankenstein on the cover, so you may have seen (laughs) it in the stores. It's not too expensive, it's tasty, and it's perfect because Halloween's in a couple days.
0: So let's start with the first question is from Rosie G., one of our listeners and she has a great question for you to get us started i think Erin, what was the inspiration for this book come with me
2: so i'm very happy to say that it the inspiration was the wonderful female friendships i now have in my life so it just so happened that i was doing a writing workshop or a writing retreat with my uh writers group which is four other um, local writers that i just adore and the night before, I heard from my agent that my most recent idea had been rejected, and I was like, "Oh no!" So I was <laughs> i was heading to this retreat thinking I was going to work on this for you know the next two days, and instead, I was like, "I got nothing." I got nothing. So I show up like in tears with these women, and was like, "I don't know what I'm gonna do," and they're like, "You've got this, girl. You're gonna make something awesome," and like such an uplifting group. That ah. we started talking about how we all are now at this point in our lives where we've kind of found our women. You know, our, we found our friends that no matter what, they're like, you've got this. You're going to be amazing. Like, it, it's all wonderful. There's no mm-hmm. drama. There's no competition. But we started talking then about the other like earlier friendships in your 20s, maybe your 30s that have that little edge to it. And we all have a story. And one of them, Katrina Criddle, was like, I think, I think this might be your next book. And I'm like, huh. So wow. I spent the whole weekend sketching out what would kind of be the bones of this book. And then, of course, changed it all when I wrote it. But it was enough to make me feel confident for like two days. <laughs> so <laughs> like, it, but like, I love that. It came from having such good ladies in my life now. Because it is, for those who haven't read it, it's a story about toxic human and, Yeah. i had just say... Those are behind me. <laughs> oh, well,
1: that's good to know. That's good yeah. to know. I know because it is, it is very, it's a little scary how toxic some friendships can be. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's really cool that you went to a um, writer's retreat. Have you done that a
2: lot? I have. Well, I've gone to retreats like before I had my daughter. I went to like McDowell and Yaddo And these women that I'm in this writer's group with, we are smack in the sandwich generation. Like a lot of us have kids. A lot of us have, you know, parents that are uh, not always doing so well. And so my sister happens to have a house in Dayton, Ohio as well. She lives in California, but because there's so much family here, they keep a house here too. And so we call it the Hanson House Writing Retreat. her Husband are our benefactors, it's literally <laughs> a mile away from my house. So we all meet. At one of us has a minivan. We all meet at at my house. We have a playlist with one song. We drive to my sister's house, and that's <laughs> where we stay for the weekend. It's just the best.
0: Oh, all I love
2: that. In the minivan. Yeah.
1: Also, what I found really interesting was now
2: is it Nic- Nicola or Nicola? <laughs> well, that's a really good question, and it depends on if you ask me or you ask the person who read the book <laughs> on audio. I had mispronounced it in my head the entire time. And I got the audiobook and I was like, I'll be damned. And my husband kept telling me. Oh, well, it's your character. It. It's how <laughs> you, rep- Well, I guess like for, uh, like how did the, you, how did you pronounce it in your head? Well, I can barely remember. I think I would say Nicola and uh-huh. he was like, or no, I would say now I can't even remember, but he's <laughs> like, she's not an Italian man. <laughs> like, I, think I think the wrong pronunciation but i also think that's how onita would have pronounced it her mother who named her so i'm like maybe i got it right but yeah. honestly i can't even remember which is right anymore
1: yeah in my in my head i was i was i always say nicola and i'm like that doesn't when i then when i say it out loud i'm like that doesn't i don't think that's what somebody would call somebody nicola they would not call right. him nicola right yeah now. i don't think it, I, either one works for me Okay. So Nick, Nick has five rules (laughs) um, that set the theme for each section of the book. And, you know, I have so many questions about these rules. First, first of all, how did you come up with them?
2: Well, that was something that um, early on, I knew that she was a woman who was going to have a pretty solid idea how you get through the world and what was going to make it work. So she would come up with rules and everybody better live by them. And So I had those in the initial draft that went to my editor, but she was the one who said, I think we should arrange the book around this. And it's something that readers over and over have said they've really liked about the book. And I was like, man, I get no credit for that, none. (laughs) (laughs) So she really came in and was like, let's use this as kind of the structuring agent for how the book moves forward. And she was the one who said, when we get to the rule, don't look back, no more flashbacks and everything moved forward from there.
0: So she, yeah,
2: there is nothing as great for me as working with an editor who I really love and trust. And Jessica Triple Wells is definitely one of those people. Like she just could see a book, understand like what you were trying to do, even if you hadn't quite gotten there yet. And was like, Mm -hmm. okay, let's take it up a notch.
1: Now, is this through your publisher or was this Mm -hmm. somebody that you hired on your show?
0: Okay.
2: No, it was through uh, Thomas and Mercer. Okay, cool
0: that's such a separate set of skills to be oh, able man. to look at that global view of a book and see what you're trying to do. And here's what we could do instead. I just find that you do not possess that at all. Well, at and all. I
2: don't think, I don't think writers do for their own work very well. Mm-hmm. Like we have a good, you know, we know what we're trying to do and everything, yeah. but whenever, like I also teach, like you mentioned, and I know that Like with the writers talking to my students and writers in my writers group, like if they're like, I I think this is an issue. And I'm like, I'm not even sure that's in the top 10. You know, Mm -hmm. like that's like, I don't think we can see our work clearly, especially Mm -hmm. in that big structural stuff. We need somebody coming in with that skill set. And I feel like I can see it in other people's work, but my own, I'm like, huh? Yeah. I guess I meant to do that. (laughs) I know. (laughs) And I always say, I don't want to be the smartest person working on this book. And i right. like, I, it, it would be nice if I wasn't quite so low on the list,
0: but yeah. like, it's like you want editors who
2: are like going to come in and be
0: like, yeah, let's, let's take this up. Oh, yeah. well, that yeah. was brilliant with those rules. Cause they really yes. did shape the entire book. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah.
1: Okay. So I looked at these rules separately and said mm-hmm. to myself, okay, they're, they're pretty <laughs> innocuous on the surface. You know, you often hear these similar statements of affirmation that kind of go along with mm-hmm. them. But in Nicola's case, they were like a justification for this evil stuff that she did. Mm -hmm. And I'm just wondering, do you think most affirmations also can be um,
2: distorted like that? Oh, I think so. I think deliciously so. (laughs) And that was one of the things about her um, that kind of fascinated me was that I do think she was contorting things to use them for whatever means she wanted. But I think a lot of people start off with the best of intentions. And I think that's true of complicated friendships too, that I don't think people wake up and think, my husband always says, nobody wakes up and says, I'm gonna be an asshole today. And then he usually (laughs) follows it up by saying, But boy, did they succeed. (laughs) But like (laughs) I think that's true. Like I don't think anybody sets out to like be evil. Like I think that in the book too, Nikki thinks she's she's helping. She's trying to, you know, she thinks Gwen needs her help through a lot of this. So I I do think a lot of those affirmations can be twisted in ways that are hopefully not too, hopefully not too
1: bad, you know, but they yes. are at times, you know, but yeah, it's a fine line.
2: Mhm, It really is.
1: Look at like number five, truth, not facts. Oh. That's all the time being twisted mm-hmm. right now. Like I don't, I can't wrap my head around it. Can you explain
2: that statement to me?
1: <laughs> in, a, in a way <laughs> oh, that I can understand?
2: Probably not. Probably not. But I do think <laughs> like the whole thing's like, oh, that's not facts, not, you know. False facts, Mm -hmm. all of that, like that was such a big thing, even when I was still writing the book that I'm like, oh, fake news. You know, so I think that we're all used to Mm -hmm. the idea of like, oh, what is fact? What is truth? Like those aren't the same thing. And then that can you can just run with that.
1: I know, it never used to be that way. It seems like to me, it seemed like everything was so straightforward, but then all of a sudden, I guess because we get so much information now, Mm -hmm. we're like, okay, this information might be false and we don't know it and then it becomes our truth and whatever, it's very confusing. No, I
0: completely (laughs) agree. So when you were writing, when you were drafting, the five truths, did they kind of just appear as you were going through the story or did you come up with those first and then fill in the story?
2: They were as I was going. Um, yeah i'm definitely somebody who does better just kind of finding her way mm-hmm. and then being like oh i bet she would have these rules and then i have to go back and kind of weave them in and maybe tweak them so they make sense for what Nicola or nicola would uh actually how mm-hmm. she would actually think of things but um i did like the idea of her being somebody who's like here are the rules because i think that kind of a controlling personality oftentimes does have these things. Are like this is set in stone. This is these are mm-hmm. things I live by. All
1: right. So, do you have rules? Um,
2: <laughs> I have a mantra. I have a mantra. Oh, that that's good. During uh, quarantine, which was I'm doing my best, and it's one of those that I think can totally get twisted because I have told like students and stuff that's my mantra. I'm doing my best, and during quarantine, some days that would mean I'd write for three hours. I'd knock out, you know. 3,000 words, whatever it was. And other days I'd be like, that means mama's going to wrap herself in a blanket and she's going to watch 10 hours of Netflix. Mm -hmm. But I would be able to tell like in the beginning of like the day, like those were hard days. And some days really, I was like, I don't, I don't have it in me, but I couldn't do that. Like I had to really be honest with myself. What is your best today? It can't all be (laughs) pizza and Netflix. A lot of it could, but you know. So I'm like, that's yeah. one of those mantras. I could
0: really twist.
2: I'm doing you could. I'm doing my best. Are you? <laughs> yeah, <I> know, right.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I, was like, I can oh. see like a teenage daughter saying that. You said I just have to do my best. You're like, are you really? <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Or I
0: don't know, a fifty-some-year-old woman.
2: Same yeah. thing. Yeah. yeah.
0: Same thing, right? Same thing. Yeah.
2: One of my other sayings is, "Don't bullshit a bullshitter." I hope I can swear on here. We We, we freely swear. Yeah, we're good. Okay, good. But like, (laughs) that's the other one. It's like, when I'm like, I'm doing my best. I'm like, hmm, don't bullshit a bullshitter. Mm. Or, you know,
0: so they have to go hand in
2: hand, I guess.
0: Yeah. Well, you need more than one rule. You do. It has to fit the circumstance. Mm -hmm. That's exactly right. So, you know, Christy, I think this would be a perfect time for the question in the bottle.
1: Okay. Would you rather watch nothing but Hallmark Christmas movies Yes. Or nothing but horror movies. Yes.
2: <laughs> I would be so happy with either one. Honestly, really? God. Oh, my God, yes. Those are the two sides of my personality right there. <laughs> yes. Give me the horror and give me the Either one. Are these Christmas Hallmark? I hope so. She said, hopefully. Like, yes. I love those both. I cannot choose. Oh, that's so funny. And if I'm at the oh. end of the bottle, I'm going to be like, I'm doing my best. I can't, I can't yes. choose between those two. Oh, that's so funny. What about you guys?
1: I, I would I would pick um, the Hallmark movies just because I have never been a horror movie watcher, which is really funny because, you know, I love, like, Stephen King and things like that, mm-hmm. but... I like some horror movies. I mean, like Sixth Sense, that kind, yeah. you know, that are not, but the slasher horror. No, well, I couldn't. Oh, I would, have yeah, nightmares. I would never sleep. I would have to. Yeah. I would have to. I have to have something to cleanse my palate after that. So. <laughs>
2: That's why <laughs> you have the romance. To it's like it? the salty and the sweet. Yeah. Got, you I know. can't choose. I can't yeah. can choose between So I'm those. like reading this
1: crime fiction, and then right, right when it's time for bed, I'm like, okay, I better read a chapter of this romance
0: or something. <laughs> <laughs> Yep. i got the romance going right now. Yeah. What about you, Kathy? I like both. I like both. Um, I have a daughter who loves horror movies. And this is like, she just feels like this season on television is her time. Like she just mm-hmm. really embraces it. And so she was home last weekend from college and watching, we were watching like the original Scream movies. <laughs> That's <laughs> a good one. Yeah. They're so good. I really enjoy mm-hmm. them. Do you laugh just, during them or do you
1: get scared?
0: Oh, I don't really get scared. Yeah. No, no. I got scared. My mom took me and a friend. I believe I was 16, but it was, you know, a rated R movie. My parents took that seriously. So she took us to Psycho 2 in the theater. I was very scared then. Very, very scared of that movie. But otherwise, I don't, they don't scare me too much. But yeah. I thought I thought I was going to, like, get sucked into the seat in the movie theater and, like, die. This is, like, a 1980 <laughs> I was like yeah. okay It's, no, it's
1: I, that's how all horror movies were for me. I was like
2: mm-hmm. mm. yeah. yeah I've, I I literally just like a month ago confessed to my parents that I watched Texas Chainsaw Massacre when I was uh, underage. age. And they were like, "Oh, we had no idea." Like they were they were I'm like you that, that, know one knows yes. you So like I'm
1: okay now, right? It's you know like, for the most yeah. part.
0: Actually, my have run. <laughs> That's awesome. All right.
1: All right. So let's go on with another question. This one's from David, David B. This story shows a toxic female friendship. Um, do you think this could happen between male friends or are we too wary of intimacy to get sucked in that far? Not saying that we're not toxic in our relationships, but maybe not friendships as much.
2: I don't know. It's, that's, I feel like I have so little idea what's going Hmm. on behind the curtain there. You know, like I, my husband has really close guy friends and those friendships are as solid as my female friendships. Like they go on walks and have these deep talks and like they're really, really, yeah, they're really like in-depth, important relationships in his life. And then I have, I know other guys who it's like, I can't imagine you talking about anything serious but also right. so much of what I see in the media is they're just like I don't know grunting and eating wings so I really I don't know I don't know David's got to <laughs> write that book for us
0: yeah, I know, I That's, know. that I, I was wondering if you was a writer I find that to be very interesting I do I guess I think we if we think about not relationships with the ages maybe that we're all maybe in our 50s or 40s mm-hmm. or whatever um, like you said the 20s and 30s and maybe even younger, women are great to each other sometimes. And I don't know if men had that same experience. I'm, I'm sure some of them did. Actually, I guess they,
1: they do, but like on a not as deep level. Like, I don't think there is conniving about it, you know? They're just like out yeah. now, like, you're a jerk and I'm not gonna, or, you know, I didn't invite you or whatever, you know? Yeah. Whereas women might like try to pretend like they're being friends, but then... Mm-hmm. Yeah. (laughs) And then do something kind of devious.
2: Yeah, there's this great Margaret Atwood quote um, about if somebody had said to her, I think at a talk, uh, if women were in charge, there'd be no more, no no more war. And she said, if women were in charge, we'd be at war, but you wouldn't know who your enemy was. Mm. I don't even know if she really said that, but that's always been I've heard it attributed to Margaret Atwood. So don't come after me, Margaret. If you did not say that, <laughs> Erin Flanagan. I
0: need her on the phone. Right? <laughs> oh my god, that would be
2: a lovely conversation. Not, so welcome it. Yeah, I would not want Margaret Atwood coming after me. Right? No. No. No.
1: No. <laughs> no definitely
0: not. No. Right no.
2: I'm a big fan. No, thank you. We all are in awe.
0: In awe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I love this question. This came from Amanda. She asked how long it took you to write, um, your book and do you write every day?
2: The book took me, well, I can tell you it took me 360 hours. I, uh, I literally track all of my writing time. And so how I, do you do that? I, I set like, a timer just, every day and like then I write, you just write it on a pass. piece of paper. I have a Google Doc with uh, my best friend and we have been doing it for years. So I've been able to track the last two books I wrote down and I can tell you like how many hours on a first draft, how many hours in editing. It's just it's really Oh, I Kathy, mean, we have to do that. Oh I my mean, old lady. Okay, so why I do you do that? Why does that well, help I Well, I did it originally. My friend and I Set it up because we we just felt like oh we wanted an accountability buddy we wanted somebody not that we were competing because we're no longer in our 30s <laughs> we weren't competing <laughs> with each other but it was really like it wasn't um, toxic I, at all no it wasn't it was just one of those things where i just i would go in there and i'd see that charlotte had been writing i'm like you get it girl i've been writing you know and we would just you know be able to see what the other one was working on and so I had all this information and I got to thinking like, what can I, what is this going to tell me? And so it, the kind of long story short of it is it really helped me figure out that I hate first drafts and then I could, would procrastinate them like nobody's business. But if I just sat down a road, you know, one hour or two hours a day, I can have a first draft in two and a half to three months. And then I would spend, you know, the rest of the time, like 70% of the time in editing. Because that's what I really love to do. Because I'm really messy with first draft. So yeah, I knew exactly how many hours it took me. And this was a book. This one I wrote a book on contract, so I had, I had six months. So I was like, okay, let's break it down. I bet this is going to take me three hundred to three hundred fifty hours. And I was able to say, this is how many hours a week you have to work, and you can get off weekends or make up time you didn't write. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how I'm a creative person. Like I'm such a structured person that way. After writing great, every though. day, I try uh, to write most days during the week and either make up on the weekends or take weekends off. But if I don't stay in the story, I'm kind of a mess. So I'll take mm-hmm. off a bigger chunk. Like when I finish a project, I'll be like, Ugh, recharge, take a month.
0: So um, do you have a, because it sounds like you do have a very structured approach to your creative life. Mm-hmm. So do you have a certain time of day, environment, I'm, 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 I am I'm. would like to know, I'm sure Amanda would as well.
2: I like to um, write in the morning because I can get it out of the way and feel really smug about it for the rest of the day. <laughs> so ideally, I like to do it in the morning. And when I say, like, I write two hours a day, that takes me four hours because it's not like I'm like, doo, 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 and then all the work is done. Like, it's like a half hour. <laughs> well, a treat, And then I, you know, I... Go get myself some snacks or whatever um so it takes a long time and ideally this is again embarrassing but i like to write either at the library and starbucks and convince myself that people are like look at that productive person and he's writing
0: body. a novel <laughs> right like
2: yeah oh that's impressive because otherwise i'm just yeah home getting distracted so i try to be out and about until i'm in the final phases of editing where like everything in it it's right place and i'm at that point, just really concentrating on language and pacing. And that, to me, is pure joy. So that I can just mm-hmm. do at home because I'll just lose myself for hours.
0: Joy so. editing that much that you can just. Well, not the big edit. Like
2: once I get that first draft and it's mm-hmm. just hot freaking mess, then I like then it's like. 150 hours of me trying to figure out like where does this go how does this go yeah. what's the cause and effect what's moving the story and then once i feel like okay i think everything is where it's going to go where it's going to be mm-hmm. then
1: i love it then you can do the pretty stuff
2: yes yeah. yeah, that is oh my heart but
0: that's just yummy
2: painful yeah <laughs> and then and then i get the smart editor who comes in it's like this is really great here's 10 single space pages of everything you need to work
0: <laughs> on I just no. heard that. I just heard that from somebody that the, you know, they say a really nice thing up front and then they're like, and here's the rest of it for you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: This story is so great. Oh my gosh. And then you're like, this is an awful long letter Everything everything's so great. <laughs> right. What like pages is this?
0: So you, did you, you mentioned you wrote this uh, with a deadline, like you wrote this on spec? Mm hmm. Yeah. Us about that was that, the first but...
2: time I've done anything like that. Um, like I said, when I, went to the hansen house writing retreat my idea was rejected so i wanted to come up with something else and that was really hard for me because i'm basically like a panther i don't plot anything out but i had to really convince myself this was a book that this could be a book so i outlined everything pretty in intensely and like ended up like a long synopsis and they're like could you give us a shorter version (laughs) And But I had to really believe like, oh, this is, you know, I know what this is going to do. And then I started writing and I kept with the the outline for maybe six or six chapters or so. And then it just started doing its own thing. And I kept with the overall arc of like, it's about a toxic female friendship, but everything else pretty much just became its its own little thing. And that's, again, where it gets fun for me. Like, I didn't love having it figured out. So,
1: um, this was an interesting thing that happened a month or two ago. Um, I was at our MWA meeting down here Mm -hmm. and there was a presentation. It was Aline Cogdill. She's a reviewer. I love her. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So she was, she was here. She lives down here and she, um, she came to give a presentation and your name actually came up. Yes, because it was, She was, um, I don't know how they got on the subject of publishers and, you know, what she reviews and things like that, Mm -hmm. but she mentioned that, you know, you were a successful mystery writer who first published through a university press, which is a kind of a different way Mm -hmm. that most of the genre writers and, um, and also then, um, Alan Orloff was sitting back and he goes, I just met oh, her. Oh, I love Alan too. <laughs> I oh, that's so funny. I just met him at VoucherCon. Yeah, that's what he it's said. So I was like, oh, she's going to be on our podcast. <laughs> oh, that's so fun. I know, I know. So, um, but I was just kind of wondering, I mean, like, how did you end up publishing through University Press? And how does that compare with Thomas and Mercer?
2: Well, it's funny because I had an agent who I was working with, and had written a couple of different books for her. She sent them out and we just couldn't get any traction. And I think I was kind of like a small fish in a big pond with her. And we just weren't really clicking. We weren't, I I don't think it was advantageous for either one of us. So we ended up, I was like, I gotta break up with her. So I broke up with her and then I started writing Deer Season and I, it was funny because I was—I didn't even know I was writing a mystery. Really, I just knew that the problem with the other books had been plot. Like, I have to, like, you gotta have one. Oh, who knew, right? What? And so I, <laughs> what if this—you know—this girl goes missing? What's this going to do this small town in Nebraska and everything? And so, I—I um, I wrote the book. I. Tried to find an agent. I could not find an agent who was willing to take on this kind of quiet, small-town mystery. And I don't think I wrote a very compelling query letter, because, again, I didn't really understand it was a mystery. And so I (laughs) went to Nebraska Press, who had published my two collections, and they said we'd love to publish it. And so, yeah, I was thrilled when they took it. And then um, it ended up getting nominated for the Edgar, and I about fell over. I just had no idea. Like, I I was so surprise. Like I was up against those big houses and everything. It was just like the shock of my life that this small, you know, quiet book had found its audience. So it was a real joy. But uh, Aline, I always think of, um, as being part of that process, uh, which she might be shocked to hear, but, uh, like I reached out to her again, I had no idea what I was doing. Uh, you're not probably supposed to reach out to her, but she had reviewed a book like with a bigger, like, house that had been set in Nebraska as well. And so I thought, oh, maybe she likes Nebraska stories. <laughs> so I emailed her and was like, any interest in this book? And she's like, uh, because you're with a small press, I assume you don't have a like a publicist who's really handling this, go ahead and send me the book. And she ended up giving it a review in The Sun Sentinel. And only later did I find out, like, oh, that's a big deal. Like, she's mm-hmm. a big deal. She's a big deal. Yeah, I had no idea. I had no idea. And then I met her at the Edgars and I was like, what are you doing here? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, she's just, uh, I feel like has been an angel to me.
0: That's really, really cool.
2: And how cool of her to take a chance on this, like, small press novel when I she's know. such a,
0: you know, big and dog you know, in the I, I can't help wonder, but, you know, if she, her review didn't help you get in front of the judges for the Edgars. I mean,
2: oh, in my head, it did. In in my head, okay. I owe my entire career to this woman
0: who's probably like, oh, wow. Yeah. I, that, uh, well, I, will, I will tell her that at the yeah. Christmas party. Yeah. If I yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I have to tell you, one of the one of the things I love about all books that I loved about this book is I loved your acknowledgments at the end. Oh. I struggle to not read them before I finish the book, because I just think that's where all the good the good tea is. I you know? love that. Yeah. No, I'm with you hundred percent. And I love that this circles back to the beginning of our conversation about your, your girlfriends and you talk about mm-hmm. your, and I just, um, so I wanted to ask you about writing the acknowledgements. Had you, mm-hmm. how do you do it? When do you do it? Had you been thinking about it all along? What's that process like? I keep a, like a file for that in case like
2: the book ever, you know, gets published. I've got one probably for every novel of, that hasn't been written either, but just like, the sense of like, who's supporting me through the writing of that book, like who really matters to me. And I, I actually, the, I always feel bad that I didn't include the Oakwood Starbucks baristas in that book <laughs> because they really, I honestly, they fueled that book. Um, so maybe if, if I'm lucky enough to get another one, they'll be in that one. Um, no. but, uh, yeah, so I, I kind of keep that running the whole time. And mm. it's, it is one of the, the great joys for me is getting to thank all the people you know, that have made such an impact. Like you don't write a book alone. Like you really don't. Mm. It's all these people cheering you on. And I did know with that one, um, that I wanted to dedicate it to the writers in the group. And so that was that was really fun too, to to give the book to them.
0: Oh. Beautiful. But one of
2: the, I think one of the things I said in the acknowledgments too is that I wanted to thank all my all my girlfriends, good and bad, you know, past, past and present,
0: good and bad. I love that.
2: Because every friendship teaches you something, you know, it might not be the lesson you want, but man, everybody helps make you who you are. And I think that's a great thing to acknowledge. It is. It helps
0: you pick, decide what to pick up and pack with you Mm -hmm. and what to discard, doesn't it? I mean, I think that's such a, Um, that's so cool well this has just Mm. been such a pleasure talking with you today I just I've just personally enjoyed it and apologize for my voice (laughs) it's sexy Kathy yeah if (laughs) listeners want to reach out to you how's what's the best way to do it because I think we have some listeners I know that would do oh my goodness send me emails I would love to hear from everybody
2: so you can find me um on my website there's a contact and it'll go straight to my email so okay. you can hit me up there or on Twitter and Instagram and um, again. So, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Perfect. There is nothing as fun as talking to readers. Oh, I just want to say back to the acknowledgments, um, since I know you guys also do like audiobooks, Why don't they put the acknowledgments in the audio It irritates me every time. I didn't realize they didn't. No, it always just ends.
0: I think you're right, Erin. I they're in the they're in the Kindle version, right? They're in the ebook version, yeah, but the, I yeah. don't think they're in the audio. But I don't know. We why should they check don't that out. Yeah. I don't know because so, it's like the best way mm-hmm. to just literally bookend the book. You can see what the yeah. writer was thinking and what was important and who yeah. they want to thank. I mean, I think readers who really dive in, like they want to know that stuff. I just think that's oh, yeah, you know, absolutely. I always yeah. want to know that. I do and too. Also,
2: I'm, There are people out there, I've heard confessions, that they don't read the acknowledgements. I'm like, you all are psychopaths, right?
0: I know. I appreciate that. So you're going to (laughs) spend 300 pages with somebody and then skip the final two? Like, what?
2: Don't you want to know they love their mom? That's the same people
0: that don't read prologues,
1: you know? I mean, there's just... Uh, I don't even... I just heard about those
2: people within, like, the last two days, (laughs) that there are people who actually would skip a (laughs) prologue.
1: I know. Like, what's the point? That's part of the book. Anyway, so um, we'll put all the links on our website. And also, I now I want to go back and I'm going to want to read, you know, Dear Season and your other books. So I do too. They can find those on your website, I'm sure. Yeah. And now I'm mm-hmm. also curious, what are you working on now? Are you working on something?
0: Oh,
2: gosh. I, um, I started something about two months ago that I am absolutely falling in love with. It's one of those things where I, like, for, I don't know, months and months, I would write like 15,000 words thinking, is this it? And then be like, no. And then finally, like I start this one and I'm like, I always tell my students, I'm like, they're like, I don't want to write. I'm like, just open up a file and get sexy with it. Just go in there, have some fun. <laughs> and so I would get sexy with it. And I, I think about it all the time now. So I hope this is the one. We'll oh, see. Nice. Yay.
1: Then, uh, one last question. Um, yes. And, you know, editor can cut it out if we're going too long. But do you write in Word or Scrivener or Scrivener? Because I was going to oh. say when you were saying you were moving things around, that's really good for that. From what I understand, Yeah, I, I don't I'm know just how starting people starting
2: do Word. Or, do you like it so far?
1: Yeah, I, you know, but it's it's a learning process, you know, yeah. because I'm used to Word, but I'm I'm starting to learn all the different aspects of it that are kind of cool you know even though oh, I've I, never been one that moves chapters around I kind of like I'm a slow mm-hmm. worker that I just kind of like try to um but but now I'm like hmm, maybe I'll become a mover around
0: her
2: oh, <laughs> I think it's yeah. <laughs> yeah and I only do gosh I use probably three percent of what Scrivener can do I have no uh-huh. idea I'll watch those tutorials yeah. and I'll be like that's amazing and then I'm like I don't remember any of that not no. a thing
1: I know, I know. And if you if you go away from it and come back, it's like, oh, what did I do here again? Yeah, it definitely is something that's, you know, gonna be it's Mm -hmm. gonna be a work in progress for me. (laughs)
0: Let's toast till next time we talk to Aaron again. Oh, yeah! Congratulations congratulations on this fabulous (laughs) book. Thanks for joining us for today's episode
1: subscribe to our podcast on our website game of books podcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you liked what you heard, you can give us a five star rating or review.
0: You can also subscribe on YouTube where you can watch and listen.
1: On game of you can find all the information about what we talked about on this episode. And you can sign up for our newsletter and enter our fun contests and giveaways.
0: We also post our stories and links on instagram facebook and twitter hope to see you there i can guarantee you that we had fun today and we hope you did too cheers